Welcome to the Harvest Time Podcast. Harvest Time is a faith community reaching and embracing real people, engaging them in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit harvesttime.net. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, nothing uh, says Christmas kind of like Christmas lights. True or false? We love lights, don't we? Uh, anybody here in the house, out of curiosity, you actually went somewhere uh, away from your local town or city to l- look at lights somewhere else? You just actually got in the car and drove somewhere? Anybody here go to Branson for lights? You know, you can Google that picture on the internet, <laughs> and you can sit in the comfort of your house and look at lights in Branson all day long. I'm saving you some money. Y'all look at me like, ugh, how hateful is that guy? I'm just trying to save you some gas money, help you out today. I, I, lights are so cool. In fact, lights uh, kind of start for us the symbol of Christmas. We see that in our communities, our homes, on our trees, our mantles. Lights are pretty cool. Light has with it spiritual impact too because light always does away with darkness, and that's a spiritual insight as well. We've been in a series here last few weeks coming in today on the lights of Christmas We kicked off by looking at Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Then last week, the light of grace. How many thank God for grace? Do you thank God? Come on, you thank God for grace? Give God a praise for grace today in your life. Yes, I thank God for grace every day. Today, I want to share with you a different part of this idea of the lights of Christmas because I realize that light illuminates stuff. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, there are things he showed to us that we would have never seen had he not arrived. And I recognize that light is a big part of Christmas. In fact, Christmas has in it significant spiritual truths. The incarnation is the most significant event of all time. It changed everything. God becoming a man, a baby born to this earth that was the son of God, that lived a life and lived a life so that we could live a life with God. It's the most significant event of all history. Nothing even compares to this specific and significant moment. It is an announcement. It is good news that God has come to save you, and you don't have to try to save yourself any longer. In the beginning of Genesis, God spoke light and brought an end to chaos. In the Gospels, God sent light and brought an end to sinful chaos within our own hearts. So we always know that God uses light to dispel darkness around us and even within us. I love this in Scripture, John 8, 12, Jesus said this. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We know that Jesus is that light of life. So here's a question for you at Christmas this weekend coming up. What would it take for this year to be the best Christmas ever? More gifts, more expense, uh, the perfect Christmas dinner, uh, the right people at your house, the wrong people not at the house. Can I get an amen? I mean, all of us have a few of those in our life, don't we? What would it take for this year to be the best ever? Maybe there's an insight into the best Christmas ever by looking back at the first Christmas ever. Here's a thought for you from that first encounter, and that is simply this. When you look at the first Christmas ever, you'll discover that God is a giver and not a taker. God's a giving kind of God. John chapter 3 gives insight into this as he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giving kind of God. And here's why that verse in John 3 matters so much. It's central to giving. If you love, then you give. Because God loved, God gave. Because loving and giving go hand in hand. Now put this back in ancient world history times. 
The gods were always angry gods, the small g gods. They were angry. They were tyrants. People offered things to the gods to keep them happy and appease the gods because they were mad at you and you could never please enough. You could give everything and you could sacrifice your children back to them. And they were still angry, hateful gods. And then shows up this God who's a good and a loving and a faithful and a benevolent God who takes things like this great earth and makes it beautiful and says, hey, take and enjoy this. It's all yours. I made this just for you because I love you. And so God changed the entire view of all gods because he's a giving and a generous God. James chapter 1 says that every good and perfect gift is from, a, from above and is a gift to us from God. Everything good is from God because God is a good God. Everybody say, God is a good God. So we know that that's the premise of the story of Christmas. So why do we have this today? Let's look at Luke 2, and let's check out the Christmas story passage here, Luke 2, verse 4, and let's pick up a picture of why God gave, because God loves so much. Luke 2, 4, here we go. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Verse 5, to be registered there with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that when they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. All the mamas said, amen. Be delivered. Get this thing out of me. She's done. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Verse 8, a few more verses. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to, everybody say, all people. All people. Verse 11, watch this close. This is a key verse. This is an pivotal verse for us today. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A few more verses. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, out loud, one, two, three, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So there we go. When you look at verse 11, there are three words or phrases or ideas in this short verse that really, for me, summarize Christmas for us today. Born, Savior, and Lord. Born, Savior, and Lord. I like to, uh, I like to read surveys, and I like to th learn how people think. I'm intrigued by thought process. I'm intrigued by why we do what we do as people. And, and, and I'm, I'm uniquely intrigued by the fact that part of the sin nature is that we are somewhat at a struggle with ourselves to let our beliefs and our behaviors align. For many of us, for example, for many of us, we know we need to go work out at the gym. But we're just out of time and can't quite get there for the last 25 years. We know that we better save up for retirement, but man, life is so good right now. <laughs> we're having a good old time today. 
So our belief system is in conflict with our behaviors. And this affects our Christian life too and our spiritual life as well. And I looked at this, and as you look at the gamut of surveys about the birth of Christ and about what people believe about the birth of Christ, it's pretty clear that most people in America today on the survey system believe in the biblical account of the birth of Christ. Now, what's unique to me is that within those that believe in that account, they have different takes on parts of the account. For example, I read this stat this week, thought it was very intriguing. Only 80% of believers in Christ believe in the virgin birth. Well, folks, if there's no virgin birth, this whole thing's a sham. I mean, I mean, that virgin birth is everything to his power to save us, redeem us, because if he's not born uh, of divine power, then he has the same nature himself, and he can't save a sinner if he's a sinner. Watch this, because he's born of the, of the Spirit of God and had divine nature, therefore he can give his life for me, and now I'm cleansed from my sin. The virgin birth is everything. If you take out the virgin birth, the whole conversation's over. But our, our human nature, especially the American side of us, the, the, the American side likes to have this perspective that we can decide on stuff. We take a part of it, and then we vote on how we feel about that. And when it comes to the Christian life, folks, there's not an election here. There's a king and a savior and a lord, and you either get in or you get out. So when you look at this, there's not this dynamic, but I'm intrigued by this because our nature wants to go, well, I like the story, and I'm into the story, this pretty cool story, and if you're here today in this house and watching online, odds are pretty good you believe in the story as a biblical account has given to us. In fact, absent the Bible, there's likely no purpose or foundation for the story at all. Because the Bible is the strongest communicator of the life of Jesus Christ, when he was born, how he was born, and why he was born. So scripture gives us this indication of the significance. Now today, I want to focus on the why he was born more than anything else. And I want to give you what I call an if-then scenario. If you've ever studied logic or argument or debates or things of that nature, you understand what logic is, and there's what they call if-then scenarios. For example, if all birds have feathers and this is a bird, it has what? Some of you guys are going, he has a bird in his hand? No, it's, I'm, I'm, this, is a, this is an example. I'm going to say it again. If all birds have feathers, everybody say all birds have feathers, okay? And if this is a bird, that means it has what? So if then, you guys get that so far, say yes. Okay, that's important. So you got to watch this because when it comes to the Son of God, we also have an, an if-then scenario. And here it is real fast. If Jesus lived, then he is God in the flesh. If he's not God in the flesh, then he did not live. Because every account he gave to us of his life and every account the gospel's given, everything the Bible says about Jesus Christ, the prophesied Messiah, hundreds of years before his birth, everything about it simply says that when he's born, this is who he is. And so if he's not this, then he's not born. Y'all tracking so far when we say yes? Y'all thinking, man, this is awful deep for Christmas Eve service. We're looking for something more fun. Hey, make him Lord of your life. You'll have lots of fun. Because serving Jesus is full of fun. I promise you it is. So here, here's, here's a thought for you. The Christian life and Christianity is not driven by an airtight argument. An airtight argument 
is driven by an airtight person. That's better than an argument. I can look at my wife and know I don't have to prove I'm married because she's sitting right over there. Jesus, if he lived, then he is the Son of God. If he was born, then he's a Savior. And if he's born, he's a Savior and he's a Lord. It all goes together. They run together. Here, here it is for you in emoji terms. Here it is today. This is modern. There we go. Here. If baby, then king. Everybody say, if baby. Come on, say, if baby, then king. That puts it for all the millennials out there. They, now, how many of you guys finally connected to the service? Like, hey, I know what that means now. I've been sitting here for an hour going, what are they talking about? Oh, I got that. I um, mean, so I just need two pictures, a baby and a king. If he's born, then he's king. Here's a thought for you. Now, this is going to sound real blunt because the Bible just said, born to you this day is the Savior who is Lord. Born, Savior, Lord. Here's a thought for you, and this will sound real blunt, but y'all can handle it true or false. Here we go. Either make him Lord of your life or cancel Christmas. Because if there is a Christmas in the biblical sense of the birth of Christ, and yes, I know that Christmas has to all kinds of intertwinings of holidays and paganism. That's not my point. My point is we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I'll take that all day long. I'm all for that. Can I get an amen? I'm all for that. And yes, I know he wasn't born December 25th. I don't care about that. I just celebrate the birth of the Son of God. That's worth anything being celebrated. If he's born, then he's Lord. If he's not Lord, then he's not born. Here's why you have to think this way. In the Bible, the people that met Jesus never walked away indifferent to him. They either walked away furious and mad and angry at his claims, or they bowed down and worshiped him as king of kings and lord of lords. See, you cannot have a belief in him coupled with an indifference to him. And for many of us, that's our life. Our life is found in this space between my belief and my behavior. Well, I believe in the baby. We read the story every year. We have an activity at our house. We believe in the story. How cool is it? But I'm not sure about the whole divinity thing. Folks, it's either everything or it's nothing. And, and, and today, I'm going to give you a license. Either come in this house today or watch online today and make him Lord of your life or walk out here going, they are all crazy and have all lost their ever-loving minds. Because he's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. I believe he's Lord. And the Bible says, born to you this day is a Savior who is Lord. If he ever lived, then he's your Savior. And if he's your Savior, he's got to be your Lord. They all go together as one conversation. Our struggle is this. We love a baby. In the first service, I said we love a baby. And on cue, a baby cried up toward the back of the room. It's awesome. It's like, we all love a baby. I mean, just like perfect timing for that baby to hit that high C. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, but here's a thought for you. If the baby born at Christmas is God incarnate, then you must choose to serve him completely. We love a baby. We love somebody else's baby. I, I prefer to love your baby more than my, my own. I don't, I don't want babies anymore. I'm good with that. We're good right now. 
We raised our babies up to grown adults, and we're good where we are today. I don't want to go back to that. But I love your babies because you've got to raise them, and you've got to diaper them, and you've got to feed them. And I'm, I'm cool with you doing that all day long. We love a baby. It's cuddly. We love a Savior. How comforting is that? You can live this life, be forgiven of your sin, go to heaven everlasting. That's a wonderful idea. Who's in for a Savior? Come on now. I want a Savior. The struggle is the Lordship part. Because the Lordship, while the baby's comforting, or cuddly, and, and, and Savior's comforting, Lordship, that sounds awful controlling. And that means I have to surrender my life to somebody else. I have to admit that I don't always know what's best for me, and I can't do it my way. I've got to do it God's way, and that takes me out of control, puts God in control. I'm not sure I want to do that, Marty. Well, it's not that easy. We can't just make that part of the decision. We have to say if he's born, then he's a Savior, and he's also my Lord. And It's just that simple. Because if you believe in Jesus at any level, you've got to take him at every level. I'd rather you walk away and go, they're crazy, than to live your life between two worlds of beliefs battling your behaviors, and you think you're going to heaven, and you're not really headed that direction. Better off to reject the whole idea than to accept the part that works for you. And conforms to your wants and desires. Because that puts you back in the sea of making you Lord of your own life. See, Jesus wasn't born to stay a baby. And he wasn't born just to be our Lord or our Savior. He was born to be the Lord of our life. That's for all of us. Jesus came in this world so he could be Lord over Marty's life. Luke 2.11, born to you this day is a Savior and Lord, how do I do that? How do I make him Lord of my life? It's real simple. I've got to simply first, I've got to confess. I've got to confess that I'm not my own Savior. I cannot do life my way. I don't know what I'm doing by myself. I mess things up. And then I have to accept the idea that he can lead my life better than I can. And I've got to live my life based on his leadership, not based on my leadership. I've got to lean back into God and say, God, let's do it your way, not my way. Like Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, I pray every day. And then I have to submit, and that's the sticky part for us people today, because that's where we don't like submission. Let somebody else be in charge. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, if you say, Father, not my will, but yours be done, that's when he's Lord of your life, and that's when you begin to live a great life. I was talking to a guy one day, and we're discussing things, and we came across the topic of faith, and, and it came up, that it, and I shared that I was a believer in Christ, and I lived a certain life, and he goes, oh, that must be tough. To which I said, what's tough? He goes, man, think of all the stuff you don't get to go do. And I look back, I said, what do you mean? I said, I'd do anything I want to do. I said, the difference is my want to is different than your want to. And the things that you want to do is some sign of freedom. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you may look at it and go, man, what a boring life. Listen, it's not a boring life. It's an abundant life because Jesus has come to give us life fuller and more abundantly. That's what he's done for us today. The Christian life is not dull and boring and restricting. It's wonderful. It's a great way to live your life every day. Clear conscience, peace in your heart, family, friendships, folks that love you. Even those that hate you, you love them right back with a smile on your face. How good is the Christian life? Making Jesus Lord of my life. See, God changed the view of people 
and their view of the gods by becoming a giver and not a taker. Jesus changed the view of the lords of that day. And here's how he did it. He did it by being one who loved the outcast, the hurting, the broken, the despised, the rejected, people just like you and just like me. That's how Jesus changed the view of the lords of that day. Think of it this way. In our darkest season, in our coldest winters, Jesus is going to be there loving each one of us and waiting for us. You know why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the story of Christmas. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. It's always encouraging to know how God is touching lives through this ministry. So if you have a story of how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at share at harvesttime.net.